Hi, I'm Paul Swinkle and welcome to Tech Interviews. On this week's show, it's how brand new collaboration technologies have given us brand new data governance and security risks. So sell back and enjoy the show. Hi and welcome to this week's Tech Interviews. Uh, on this week's show, we're going to take a look back at an old friend, uh, the world of compliance, um, but going a little bit, uh, looking at a slightly different area um, and looking at slightly different technology for, for achieving this. We've, we've talked about compliance in the past around things like data, be it unstructured or structured, and, and how you build data compliance into your kind of day-to-day data platforms. Um, but what about when we stretch outside of that? What about when we start to look at some of the new and interesting communication methods that, that out there, the likes of Microsoft Teams, for example, how do we build compliance into those? So um, when I came across uh, this week's guest's company, I was really fascinated in uh, the way they were doing and kind of the space they operate. Uh, so I thought it'd make a great podcast. So um, so that's exactly what we're doing this week. Uh, and so to, uh, to have that conversation, I'm joined by Devin Redmond. Hi, Devin. How are you? Hi there. Pleasure to be here. I'm doing well. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate your time. So, um, well, look, let's, before we jump into our topic, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what it is you do. Uh, so, my name is Devin Redmond. I'm the CEO co-founder of a company named Theta Lake. Uh, Theta Lake does compliance AI in a digital first world, meaning we use uh, AI, machine learning, natural language processing to detect risks inside of modern collaboration platforms, whether you're thinking Zoom or Teams all the way to things like uh, social videos, such as YouTube and Vimeo. We take those risk detections, those compliance risk detections, and we use that to power an AI-assisted review workflow to help organizations be more efficient, effective, and consistent in the way they do compliance review on modern communications. Yeah, so uh, I think and it was that, that kind of explanation that, that caught my attention, because I think it's one of those areas that we've not necessarily thought about. I think, you know, we've, as, as I said in the introduction, you know, we've, we've looked at, and, and certainly the, the work I do day to day, you know, we've, we've worked with lots of companies around how they build this kind of data compliance. But I think in lots of those cases, they've never really thought beyond SharePoint or where they store things on their file servers, you know, that they've, they've not really considered much beyond that. So, so it's interesting, this kind of, the, the, this world of video and audio and some of these kind of new communication technologies that you mentioned. So, so, you know, what, I mean, what, what are the challenges with kind of building compliance around those kind of platforms? You know, what, what is it that you're, you're currently seeing in industry that, that maybe makes that difficult and why it's important to, to consider those when you consider compliance? Well, like you said, this is a relatively new area. Uh, for myself, the founding team of Theta Lake, you know, we, we looked at the market. We've been in security and compliance for a long time on channels like email and social media uh, and even on web, thinking about data loss prevention and those types of things. And what we realized was that there was you know, a, a big shift in the mix of how people are communicating, right? more and more adoption of collaboration platforms that include video conferencing, file sharing, the ability to chat and share a screen and turn that into a call and then turn that into a share. Uh, so that was proliferating at, at, at the same time that we realized that there's a lot more capability to kind of deal with some of the underlying challenges of being able to do image analysis uh, at scale, being able to extract objects out of video, being able to detect things like scene changes and do OCR, optical character recognition, where you're actually seeing what is shown on the screen and then seeing if there's any text on the screen. And so a lot of those underlying components, uh, even, even speech to text and some of the modern platforms for doing speech to text, 
uh, weren't as performant and capable you know, just five years ago, six years ago. But now all of those things have kind of come together in a way where you can actually take some of the base components and then do a lot of hard data science and a lot of hard engineering on that last mile of compliance where you're taking the outputs and those data sources and you're actually putting that in in a uh, composed view where you can actually find actual risks, right? You can detect whether there was a regulatory risk and somebody uh, has an FCA issue or they have a FINRA issue in the US and then actually put that into a workflow and use AI to make the workflow better for people. Uh, and so, so those are modern things that you can do now in today's you know, machine learning based, uh, uh, basically cloud platform environments where you can leverage things like GPUs to really get the benefit of extracting all of that really hard to extract data and then doing really hard things with machine learning to uh, basically distill meaning out of that and then take action on it with something like AI. Yeah, and it's because um, uh, I suppose when you look at things like this, you, you, and and it's it's difficult enough when you're looking at kind of the world of data. Uh, you know, when you're looking at big data repositories full of files, lots of unstructured data that nobody really knows much about, and um, that's relatively static stuff. You know, I, I mean, I can imagine, and you, and you kind of hinted at it there. You know, I can imagine the the complexity and processing power that is required to look at moving images, you know, and I mean, you talked about some really interesting stuff in there, didn't you? The idea that, um, you know, you can spot people lifting something to screen that maybe includes financial information for, for as an example, exactly. and, and be able to recognize that, you know, that that's, that's some quite, quite impressive stuff, you know, and, and, and I mean, if, if, People who are trying to look at this kind of stuff today, you know, so maybe have ex try to look at how we do some kind of compliance around video and voice. You know, what are some of the limitations with what people have traditionally done? You know, what, what are some of the problems you're seeing currently? Um, and then we can kind of move into, you know, how we start to try and fix those. But so, so you know, what, what are those things that people are seeing at the moment that says, yeah, actually, I'd love to be able to do video and voice compliance, but I just can't. Yeah, that's it, a great question. And I think there's there's two aspects to that. The first aspect is people are challenged by the current environments they have, the current technologies they have. So if you think about you know how the world of collaboration, communication, the use of video has changed, the different platforms that have emerged over the last 10 years, even if you go back to older platforms, uh, you know, they've changed their capability sets to be more web-based, be uh, more able to share more types of content all the way to the most modern things, right? Whether you're thinking Zoom and Slack or whether you're thinking WebEx and, you know, the earlier versions of Teams that are based on Skype all the way to the new versions of Teams. Uh, that has changed pretty dramatically over the last handful of years. And if you think about the stack that people use from a technology perspective, for compliance, it's largely based on email and was developed, you know, late 90s, early 2000, sometimes a little bit more modernized with a, a cloud twist on it, but it's largely based around text communication in some type of an email based format. Uh, to give you an example, we were just working with a client uh, and one of the biggest challenges we had for them was the only way their archive of record uh, could deal with audio and video content was to have it actually extracted. They couldn't deal with the images. They couldn't deal with the actual video file, but they could deal with the transcript. And so the only thing they could store was the transcript. And even to get the transcript into the archive, it needed to be properly formatted like an email. So they, they could actually search it with that archive of record. Sounds really straightforward, that, that, doesn't it? That, that doesn't sound yeah, complicated right. at all. 
exactly. And, and, you know, rich with meaning and context, yeah. right? That's, that's the other thing. So all of those things are get lost in there. And so, you know, when we looked at that problem and maybe oddly, but caring about the hard problems of compliance and not thinking compliance is, well, uh, Maybe it's not sexy, but we definitely don't think it's boring. We think it's one of those fundamental things that's designed to protect consumers, uh, designed to improve security. All of those things are really important, and the technology stack should be modernized around that. And so most organizations are, are challenged by what they have in place, which really isn't designed for these modern mediums. It doesn't know what to do with visual content. It doesn't know what to do with context across something that could start as a chat and turn into a full-blown share. Uh, so that's one aspect of it. Then there's the perspective and understanding the capabilities of the technology. I think because most people don't have a technology stack that can deal with the modern collaboration environment, they also don't think fully about the problems that the modern collaboration environment can introduce from a compliance perspective. Right? If you think about what people would largely consider the most robust way that they can communicate with somebody else, they often think it's face-to-face and then streams of, you know, or, or uh, winnowing down of other things underneath it. You know, you can send a document in an email or you can have a call and follow up and send a document with an email from the call. But if you really think about what modern collaboration platforms can do, just in a, a Zoom or a WebEx, you have over 10 ways you could share electronic communication, right? From the, the most rudimentary of being able to show it on the screen, I can hold up a document and show it to you on the screen, to I can write something on the whiteboard behind me in the conference room that you can see on the camera, to actually being able to share a file inside of uh, the communication platform, to the collaborative workspace that all of these modern platforms have, where you can actually start typing uh, in collaboration with somebody and copying and pasting content in collaboration with somebody, to the ability to do file transfer chat inside of that and actually write things down all the way down to maybe more obscure but if you're a large organization something you have to think about uh, facilitating uh, uh, you know in, in the US we have the ADA which requires you to have closed captioning and so all of a sudden you have written communication that could be captured recorded it's obviously shown and so all of those things are present and are what make collaboration platforms so valuable and so powerful Yet most people haven't thought about all of the different compliance implications, risk implications that are introduced by that, and then really thought about how they would solve that from a technology perspective. And so that, that I guess, philosophical or perspective uh, also hasn't really permeated most most organizations yet. No, and I think it's um, it's really interesting, isn't it, that, that the kind of, even as you're explaining some of those scenarios, you know, you can start to see some of the risk profile that comes, comes within that, you know, and, I, and I'm... And it doesn't matter how secure you have made your kind of underlying data platforms that are there to deal with unstructured Word documents or things that you have in a database, you know, capturing things maybe going out via email. They're not necessarily looking at these environments. And, you know, and as you mentioned that, and I thought it was interesting, you kind of you use the word there around context and why, you know, so, I mean, can you expand on that? Why, why is context important when you look at some of these kind of things? You know, so, so although we might be able to look at something that spots a particular risk, you know, but you, you talked about context. So why, why is context important? Yeah, so there, there's, uh, you know, you can kind of look at it in layers. So the first layer is context inside of a conversation. So for example, if I were on a video conference with you 
and I had a normal talk track and I said, Hey, I'm a financial advisor. You know, we want to rebalance your portfolio. We think there are some uh, good opportunities here. I can send you more information on that, but uh, otherwise I don't really have anything else uh, substantive to say to you on, on the call. Maybe we should uh, revisit this a little bit later uh, when new opportunities emerge. And that's the talk track and that's what gets transcribed. But at the same time that I'm doing that, and saying that, I hold up on the camera a prospectus for an upcoming IPO that my firm is going to represent, and maybe it's pre-distribution, pre-approval, and I point to it. If you only had the recording and you only did the transcription, you'd have no concept of what was actually shown. And so that context of being able to look at everything that's happening inside of that communication and noticing that you know there actually is slightly risky behavior because the person's saying, hey, we should reconvene soon. And then it's actually risky because they did show an unapproved financial document on screen and implied that they want to take it offline and talk about that uh, at some point soon. Those are all things that are you know, big risks that nobody's really thinking about them from uh, I need that context. If you just had a transcript and you were searching keywords on a transcript, you wouldn't know anything was wrong in there and you'd probably never find that that incident happened. And so that that's, you know, that single incident. But then there's the kind of macro view of that of, hey, I should start building a profile on that person because how many other times did they do something like that? And so being able to then take the profile of uh, the employee that actually perpetrated that risk and start to look at them as somebody who needs enhanced supervision, uh, to use uh, the, the words that the FINRA might use in the U.S., uh, to make sure that across all the other communication channels, they're also not doing similar things, skirting the corners, uh, finding you know, finding the gray area where they can share information, doing things like in a chat while they're on a video conference saying, hey, let's take this offline later, contact me at my personal email, you know, those types of things. And so that context across communications around people uh, or around the different channels that you can start sharing things on are really important to having a, a good risk control framework. Yeah, and and that, I think that, that kind of stuff's really important, isn't it? Because I think one of the things with the challenge around voice and video, I mean, I mean, the challenge with, with compliance in general is it's the volume. You know, we, we have so much data, so much in terms of communications going on that that dealing with that as human beings becomes very difficult. You know, and that's that's where platforms that apply some kind of learning, some kind of analysis starts to become valuable. So and, and you can do that in a similar way in kind of the voice and video world, that, that idea that you can imply, apply some kind of behavioral analytics almost that says, actually, as you was kind of hinting out there, that that that, that individual regularly does this. And maybe we need to keep a closer eye on that individual or maybe even things like somebody's handed in their you know handed in their notice they're going to go maybe work for a competitor is the idea there that we can maybe then pay attention to what they've done in terms of you know slack messages over the last three months you know is, is, is that the kind of context we can apply that kind of analytics as well exactly exactly and so i, I would say you know there's there's kind of two ways that, that we look at that lens in, in those same layers. We look inside of each of the communications and help compliance staff. And I, I think one of our recognitions, having been in this space a long time, is that the job is only getting harder and more complex, right? If, if you're in compliance, you have more regulations, you have a change in the regulatory expectation uh, to needing to be more proactive, uh, less about storage and retroactive search, and more about, I need to know what's in my data, whether I think GDPR or CAPA or some of the cybersecurity requirements that require you to know what data you hold 
and at the same time, an increase in regulatory scrutiny to protect consumers from being taken advantage of, uh, say, in the financial services space, where you know not only do I have to capture it and hold it now because of things like GDPR, I actually need to know what I have. So I've got all of that change in the regulatory environment. And at the same time, I've just got more communication with more dimensions, such as we talked about before. And so th- those two things make it you know, very challenging for compliance professionals to do what they need to do at scale. Uh, and so looking at each communication and using machine learning to pinpoint places where, hey, look here, something was shown on screen and it looks like a financial document uh, and help them get through the workflow so they don't have to you know, listen to or watch a full 13 minutes, 35 minutes of a call. They can go to the points in time in the call and, and look at items that are potentially risky uh, inside of that call and play them. Use that as a mechanism to go back and maybe do a deeper dive on some, whereas others where there are no detections found and it gets a what we call a, a risk scoring, uh, it gets a good risk score, basically low risk, uh, allowing them to deprioritize those and prioritize the ones with the highest risk as opposed to just doing a pure random sample of everything and probably missing a bunch of things in the mix. And so there's there's that lens of looking at each individual item, and then there is the layer on top of that of, okay, I've identified some patterns in some of these recordings around particular uh, risky actors or around particular things that are done commonly by multiple people that could introduce risk for us. Now I need to do another view across all of those communications for that person or for that type of risk and being able to kind of move to that next layer of analysis and analytics. And so those are those are both things that we incorporated into into the platform. Yeah, I was going to ask as well, you know, is that is that the way that kind of platforms like like yours learn? You know, it's the initially it may start to flag up things that uh, look suspicious, but want a bit of a level of human interaction. But over time, it starts to learn that actually, you know, if if it tells me the same thing ten times, and then I say, yeah, actually that is a risk, or maybe that isn't a risk, we can move on, or or we need to do something about that. You know, is the secret, you know, because you, you kind of mentioned again, and I think you know, it's 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 absolutely right in in this whole space, the idea of being able to deal with the volume of data that we're trying to maintain compliance and governance and control of. You know, is it so? Does does it come to a point where the system itself starts to just accept the fact that you've told me ten times that's 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 a risk or that isn't a risk. I'll just carry on and I won't bother informing you of these or I'll just I'll inform you later. I'll kind of deal with it now and, and tell you later is is again, is that the kind of direction of travel for this kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's kind of, a, you know, like everything, there's multiple components of it. Uh, but, you know, the first one is kind of learning from, you know, the detections themselves and how people react to detections. And I, I think one of our learnings, having been in the space for a while, is, uh, you know, compliance professionals have something that, that no learning system, no computer can replace, which is the judgment and the perspective on their organization and the types of risks that they care about. And so giving them a mechanism to be more efficient, but also interact and help train the system for their environment as well. So what detections are important, what are not important, but then also what actions do I take? So, you know, if there's a common action I take in a workflow uh, based on a particular type of risk that gets identified, automating that more and more. So instead of having to do three clicks to take an action on something, you know, now I can just do one click because the system's prompting me, right? If I see a particular type of risk that uh, I've confirmed in my environment is always risky, so it always flags when I find it. And the thing that always happens as a compliance reviewer is I escalate that 
then on you know, the 10th, 11th time of that same consistent detection and that same consistent action, instead of having to, to review it, click it, uh, then click to escalate it, and then submit the escalation, having the escalation pop up and say confirm. Uh, so it just automatically happens. And so that's how you can take machine learning and better train it, leveraging human insight, and then also train things like AI to be more automated in how they do. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I, I guess for the listeners, um, now we, we may well have scared the life out of them talking about some of the challenges around uh, compliance and, and some of the threat and risk that comes with embracing some of these you know because like you said at the beginning lots of these kind of modern collaborative tools are really important to the way that lots of us are trying to do business today you know we're not we're not for a moment suggesting we shouldn't be using teams or slack or zoom or or any of the other kind of platforms that we've touched on so you know how how is companies like yours helping people to deal with this problem you know what what, are, what what's the way that technology can be deployed to to kind of assist and and take on some of these challenges uh, so that, that's, I think, the important part and kind of why we were inspired to be in this space in, in the first place, which is these things are going to happen. Organizations need to leverage modern collaboration to improve their business. And, and frankly, you know, it's, it's the right model for uh, the way the world is working today. What needs to happen is instead of shying away from it and introducing tons of friction, you know, one of the things we hear sometimes is, uh, yes, I'm going to adopt the platform, but I'm going to turn off the whiteboarding capabilities, the file transfer capabilities. Nobody can use chat. Um, and so you start to get back to the point where it's like, well, why, don't you, you know, why, why are you using it in the first place? Because you're not going to get any of the benefits, right? And so we look at that and we say, no, you should be using this. You just need to have the right amount of oversight. I think even in today's you know, enhanced regulatory environment, um, the reality is, regulators are still dealing with all of these things as well, right? Trying to figure out new platforms, new technologies, where new risks come from. If organizations are proactive and show that they're making a best effort uh, to actually have oversight in these environments and actually, you know, enable business programs that are fully fledged, but at the same time have good controls in place, that's important. And so some of that comes through post review and understanding the types of risks and then being able to modify policies, modify capabilities based on where the most common issues happen. So that's one aspect of it. Uh, the other aspect that goes hand in hand with that is being able to show that best effort and prove that you're actually doing oversight and compliance in that. And then the final area is how do you interact with people in real time to help them in that collaboration environment? a lesson learned from the data loss prevention space is a lot of the gains that were made weren't just you know catching the document that was sent out via webmail and blocking it it was the real-time interaction with the employees to let them know that those types of things weren't acceptable right it's the contractor who was sending home a spreadsheet so they could work on it on their home computer uh, they weren't necessarily trying to steal data they weren't necessarily trying to expose data they just didn't know that they're was policy in place and that was exactly the type of thing that the policy was designed to prevent and they didn't know that there was something in place that was monitoring them and so thinking of those same scenarios in collaboration uh, not only being able to detect it uh, be able to let people know that they're being monitored but do some of those things uh, eventually in in real time right being able to interact with somebody and saying hey you turn your camera on uh, make sure there's nothing behind you and you might want to blur the screen or, hey, you shared your screen. Did you play the latest disclaimer and having the latest disclaimer available there immediately so they can just press play and be prompted for that? And so those are the types of capabilities that we work on 
with our partners. Um, you know, the other thing that we do with our partners is make this a very seamless process, right? If you're using Zoom or you're using Ring Central, uh, you can plug directly into us. We're an app in their marketplace. You can connect us, uh, and we can. Uh, then feed off your settings for, say, in Zoom, you have recordings for a particular group and you want us to consume, uh, analyze, give you uh, oversight and archiving for videos from that particular group because that's your highest risk group. All of that's automated just a few clicks away. And so making that process seamless and then expanding the capabilities from review to being able to do some level of, of real-time interaction. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think it's well. It's the three things I've just kind of made a little note on as as you were talking there that that really jump out. I think and and play a big part in this kind of entire compliance and security space. You know, and I, and I think you, you kind of that idea that ignorance is no defense. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a mass, you know, a data leak it might be massive or otherwise, but you're having a sensitive information leak out of your organization because you didn't know that you should be tying down the way people use Teams, for example. That that's no real defence. You know, that's that's going to be no defence when you go to the board and say, "I'm sorry, I've lost all of our business secrets." Um, that's because I didn't realise that people were sharing them on Teams. You know, that's that's not going to go down real well. Um, exactly. You know, and, and I think all the piece was talking about actually around education. That that's I mean that's something that we tend to find a lot um, in a lot of the work that we do. That you know, in, in kind of in my day job when I'm uh, when I'm not podcasting, is that idea of educating your users. You know, that the more your users understand the risks and understand why it's important to protect your organization from those risks, the more likely they're going to be to, to kind of help out. And I think that leads on to well to your final point as well in terms of how simple you make this. You know, I, I always think that one of the biggest challenges of security is if you make you know, your users are often going to, you know, because because in the end, they're just trying to do their job, you know, so users are always going to be looking for that yeah. path of least resistance. If we make security a path of resistance, they're often just going to kind of find ways to work around it is, I guess, is a, the thing that I find. So um, so I thought it was a really interesting kind of summary of where you guys sit and, you know, and, and how you how you deliver your solutions, because I think it does play really well into those those kind of three areas. Um, well, look, Devin, as we, as we kind of come to the end of our time here, um, you know, if people have been, and I'm sure they will have been, because I know I am, you know, if, if people have been really intrigued by kind of uh, th this whole subject, maybe it's not something they've thought about and they're interested about what you guys are doing. I mean, what's a good way they can find out more about uh, Theta Lake and, and kind of what you guys are up to? I, I don't know whether there's ways they can see demos or, or get a POC type of thing of, of what you guys do. Yeah, so there are a variety of ways. So the, the best place to go is always our website. We've got lots of videos there. So it's uh, datalake.com. Uh, on datalake.com, you can find videos, uh, solution overviews for different types of pain points. Uh, there are lots of information there. You can also do things like go to the Zoom marketplace. Uh, we're one of the featured apps there. Same thing for Ring Central. Uh, so you can learn a lot about how we interact with that particular platform and the capabilities uh, therein through both videos as well as content on those sites. And then also, if you reach out to us directly, uh, we do demos and we also uh, have a variety of POCs that we've done with organizations large and small uh, to get them started and kind of get people uh, leveraging better compliance for their modern collaboration environment. And um, and if people want to come and uh, hunt you down or ask you questions directly or, or maybe follow up from this, is there is there a way short of a Zoom meeting that they might be able to do that? Uh, easiest way is to either reach out uh, directly to the organization and everybody knows how to find me, or you can always ping me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Devin Redmond, and uh, 
Theta Lake will be in the in the bio there. So okay, well that's great. I love Devon. I, I mean, I'll make sure all that stuff goes in the show notes because say, I, I mean, I think genuinely, uh, and, and often I tend to find with this show that compliance and security are always very very popular topics because they are kind of right at top of mind for for the organisations that most of us either work for or, or we deal with on a, on a daily basis. So um, so you know, that's a, that's a really fascinating insight into a problem that I'll be honest, I you know, I'd not given a lot of consideration to um, in the in the past so um now I'm, I'm going to uninstall slack zoom webex um skype teams they're, they're all going uh, because i'll just be leaking information out and not even know i'm doing it um or maybe we'll keep them on yeah, i was gonna you. say maybe we'll have a chat afterwards and you can show me how not to lose uh, to key data uh, that. That's, that sounds like a much better plan um but hey Devin, look, i really appreciate your time thanks for coming on the show and uh i definitely if you if you're up for it I'd, I'd love to have you back in the future and we can maybe talk about how this kind of that this this market's continuing to evolve and and some of the things we might expect to see in the future as well so uh, but hey for, for, for today thanks for joining the show appreciate your time and uh, look forward to speaking to you again in the future thank you likewise it was great to be here and happy to come back at some point that'd be great i hope you enjoyed that for show notes pop over to techstringy.com we'll also find all of our previous tech interviews episodes and if you enjoyed the show and want to make sure you catch the next episode then why not subscribe you can find us on apple Podcasts, soundcloud and stitcher as well as all other good homes of podcasts and if you'd like to be a guest on Tech Interviews or have got an idea for a future show, why not drop me a line? You can email me at podcast at techstringy.com. So, until next time, thanks for listening.